Before we get started, a quick disclosure. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing you hear is an offer or a solicitation to buy or sell any investment. And with that, hello and welcome to the Rangeley Capital Podcast. This is a 15-minute long podcast, and the clock starts now. I'm Andrew Walker, Portfolio Manager here at Rangeley Capital, and with me as always is my co-host and the founder of Rangeley Capital, Chris Demuth. It is Friday, January 8th, and today we're going to start by talking about the Baxalta Shire deal that we mentioned in our last podcast. Uh, we got a lot of requests to talk about that more, so we'll start there. And then after that, we're going to talk about the $800 million Powerball that's taking place tomorrow night and uh, a little bit on positive expected value lotteries. Uh, so with that, Chris, why don't I do a quick overview of uh, the spinoff and some of the tax issues, and then you can dive into it. Please go ahead. So, this is the second time we've mentioned Shire. The first time was with their DIAX acquisition on the on our December 4th podcast, uh, David versus Goliath. And what happened is Baxalta is a spinoff from Baxter. Uh, a spinoff is where Company A, they own two separate divisions. So let's say a steel division and a TV station. And sometimes they'll have a very low cost basis in the asset. So you, know, you bought both assets for a dollar, and now they're worth a million dollars. If you were to sell one or the other, you would pay a really high tax rate on that huge gain. So what you can do instead is you can say, hey, shareholders, we own two companies. Here's shares in one company. You keep your shares in the other. So we'll keep the steel division. We'll give you the shares in the television station. And that's a, a cash-free way to split up two companies. Uh, it can be a tra- an attractive area for investors. You know, when, uh, when a spinoff is done, a lot of time there's four selling. So maybe some people only wanted access to the steel mill and they say, oh, we don't want that stupid TV station and they'll sell without regard to price. A lot of times it's a really big company spinning off a small company. Uh, GE just did a spinoff with Synchrony Financial. Synchrony was a lot smaller than GE, so you could have seen some force selling there just because large investors don't want to own small stocks. And then it can be really good for both businesses because management can be a lot more focused and rewarded for creating value. You know, if you were a TV station manager in the business before, you were getting stock in a conglomerate. Now you could get stock in the TV station who you can improve that value before you could you kind of got, got benefited or penalized by the steel mill. So, uh, and lastly, they're more ac- attractive acquisition candidates, easier to buy off. Uh, the only issue, and I'll let you talk about it a little bit, is if a spinoff is subsequently acquired within two years, there can be some tax issues. So that kind of brings us to the Bexalta deal today. Why don't you take it from there? Uh, and on uh, spinoffs in general, uh, if anybody listens to us hasn't already read Joel Greenblatt's yep. You Can Be a Stock Market Genius, a uh, good chapter in it on the attractiveness Multiple of chapters, spinoffs think, yeah. uh, generally. Um, so uh, it's it's kind of lore that you can't buy a company within a few years after a spinoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more of a custom or you could say outside of that period, it's a safe harbor Uh you know, uh, I, I mentioned to my wife, it's as if I died and at the funeral, you know, uh, it would be custom to not remarry within the next two days or two weeks. You know? so, and it, maybe you have uh, just met somebody afterwards and it's totally appropriate, but it kind of looks a little off. We are, we are looking at his wife right now and waving to her and she, she is so flustered. But the traditional period is after two years, anything goes. Yes. Within two years, there's some rules. Within one year, and this is within six months, but within one year, there's very strict rules that say you must prove there were no discussions to acquire. You didn't spin this off to get acquired. And, and the key is, is that you're not just getting cash back to shareholders and not 
paying taxes on it. That's important to Bixalta. It's very important to Baxter. And it's funny you mentioned two weeks because in this case, it wasn't even two weeks. They were spun off July 1st and July 9th or 10th. Shire came and said, hey, Bexalta, why don't uh, why don't we have a little marriage? And uh, so it's 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 a sensitive issue. There's no reason for Baxter or Bexalta to really take any risk on this. Yes. So it's going to be on Shire. Either Shire is going to guarantee and they're going to be on the hook or at very least they're going to have an informed legal opinion that, that, that they can do this. Yes. Um, and uh, is that uh, an issue? Yes, it's a real issue. Is it a surmountable one? Yeah, I think so. So just a quick wrap up. Basically what's happening is everyone agrees Shire is willing to pay full and fair price. Mm-hmm. The, the merger would make sense. I'll talk about that in a second. But the issue is Everyone, Baxalta and Baxter as the sellers want Shire to say, we guarantee this will be tax-free. We will do it in a manner that guarantees it. And if they don't, they say, all right, we walk. And one, one thing about the dynamics, just because uh, we at this point, we're just dealing with public information. Yep. But it's public information that we can be quite informed about because it's such a well-defended company. Yep. Uh, say Baxter and Baxalta really didn't want this. They could have just said, oh, thank you, uh, Shire, uh, just like we were thinking right before we did the spinoff. I mean, they, there's a lot of things they could do. They're deep in talks. The talks are uh, uh, cooperative. They're designed to reach a deal. It's likely that they will sign one on, on Sunday. Yeah, so I, I think that's uh, exactly right. So why don't I talk about why Shire is willing to pay a full and fair price and why this deal makes sense? So you can read through their investment or investor presentations. They think, A, first of all, the combination will deliver a strong return on the cash or shares they put out for Bexalta. They're saying uh, more than 10% IRR on whatever they spend. If you think about it as uh, if they can borrow debt for 4 or 5%, which they very easily could, and they can invest it at 10% in this deal, that's a tremendous return. Mm-hmm. Uh the leader would the combination would be the leader in kind of rare diseases. It'll have a lot of billion dollar plus drugs, which are very valuable, very profitable. And uh, one of the big things is there'll be really significant synergies. Uh, you get synergies, which are basically code for cost cuttings. By you combine two companies and you go, oh look, we've got all. You have an accounting function. We have an accounting function. We only need one accounting function. Cut the accounting function. And in two uh, and in two pharmaceutical companies like this, there'll be synergies in the R and D program where they say, hey. You have an oncology, an oncology, which is cancer development program. We have an oncology program. Maybe we don't need 200. We each have 100 scientists. Maybe we don't need 200 total. Maybe it's better for us to have 150. We'll have a bigger, more coordinated program with less people. So there's synergies there. Most, go ahead. Oh, I was just, the one thing I would throw out is uh, you'll hear this word a lot on calls and in press releases after deals. Make sure you're listening for cost synergies. Yeah. That deals work when it comes down to cost savings. Revenue synergies, they throw around a lot too. It's largely BS. No, it, that's exactly right. I, in a former life, I was a consultant. And uh, one of the things was cost synergies uh, investors almost always give credit for because they're so – in general, you've done the work. You've got a list of names of who you're going to fire. Revenue synergies are much harder to get. There are a couple cases. Media General, which we've talked about several times on this podcast, and it, Deal announced yesterday, somewhat complicated, hopefully going through. But that's one of the few places in broadcasters where 
revenue synergies actually exist. But anyway, most people think $500 million in synergies is uh, pretty doable. Mm-hmm. Some people think over a billion dollars is doable. But either way, we're talking about two companies with a combined $12 billion in revenue. $500 million or a billion dollars creates a lot of value. And you mentioned taxes. I'll mention taxes one more time. Shire is inverted. Their tax rate's in the high teens. Baxalta is not. Their tax rate is 25%. So Shire owning Baxalta, uh, you know, there's a lot of value there just from shielding them from U.S. taxes. So uh, I think we've talked a little bit about the issues of why the deal's held up. The big issue is cash versus stock payment for Baxalta. And why don't you take over for that? I think that it's reasonably likely we're going to end up with something like a 60-40 split of stock and mm-hmm. cash. Uh, there is uh, an extra level of uh, issue on the tax-free nature of the spinoff when you're dealing with cash. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of you know, you're outside of an area outside of the safe harbor. But there's even a solution for that. And what we're probably going to see uh, is we're going to see the cash payment coming from the current Bexalta Corporation, yep. not Shire. And as long as they go that way, uh, we could have something like uh, four. Cents on the dollar of the consideration in cash. So, just so Shire would like to pay cash to Baxalta because mm-hmm. they can borrow it at a very mm-hmm. cheap rate. Uh, Baxalta would like Shire to pay in shares because shares are generally not taxed when right. you do a transaction with them, just stock for stock. And one way around this would be Baxalta raising a lot of cash and paying a dividend the moment before Shire bought them. And then their share price would depreciate, even though investors would get the cash, share price depreciate, and then Shire can pay a lot less shares. So that would be a way to mm-hmm. kind of arbit, you're saying. Yep. Yeah, I think that's it. Uh, anything else you want to say? I, you think Monday we're going to have a deal announcement? Uh, Monday. I, fingers crossed. We've had pretty good success with calling deal announcements in the past. So hopefully Monday we will see a deal. Before we move on to uh, the $800 million Powerball, just a quick request. If you like this podcast, please be sure to subscribe or rate us wherever you get us, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud. If you already subscribe and have rated us, hopefully positively, uh, please recommend us to a friend who you think would like it. Uh, All right, so Chris, why don't we switch over to the $800 million Powerball tomorrow? I think it's, uh, it's by far the largest in U.S. history, and we're seeing a lot of analysis out there that says, look, there are... 2.92 2.92 million combinations. Uh, ticket costs $2. If you went out and you bought every ticket, you know, that'd be under $600 million in cost. This is a positive expected value lottery. What What do you think about this lottery, positive expected value lotteries and everything? Uh, it's a pretty big number. I mean, 800 million, you know, it's not a big kind of hedge fund industry Hamptons number. <laughs> um, somebody once walked up to the ATM right after David Tepper from Appaloosa and he had a couple hundred million in his ATM account. Was it a billion uh, or a hundred million? It was huge. It was, it was huge. There's a number, you know, I don't know. It that, was bigger than my bank account. You know, would, would he buy the ticket even if somebody told him it was the winning ticket and he had to spend $2 and stand there at the 7-Eleven? It's not clear whether he would bother. I have to go to 7-Eleven? No, no. <laughs> But but for most people, I think we can just say, generally speaking, $800 million would be a lot of money to be made on Saturday. Uh, Not for everybody, but for most people. Um, But even though it is a lot of money, it is not a lot of expectancy. And in terms of your behavior, I find on both sides of the extreme, that's what you should be in it for. A good expected value. And we don't have one here. So I I think some of the math we did was, uh, you know... In order to be break even, because remember, you don't just, there's not winning. If you get five numbers right, you get a million. Mm-hmm. So we did the math, and in order to be break even, the kind of lump sum has to be 515 million. And one of the things is, while 800 million is the headline number, 
the kind of uh, lump sum is actually 500 million, 800 million is the, it, the annuity value. So right there, you wouldn't have enough to get it. But I think there are a couple of other things. Uh, there's taxes. You're mm-hmm. going to have to pay 40% taxes. Uh, there is one arbitrage, which I would love. If you know you're about to win the lottery, I would suggest you file the paperwork to move from New York to a low tax jurisdiction currently. Or have some kind of foundation. I don't believe you can buy these in your IRA, but but have a kind of a foundation that's investing in lottery tickets. <laughs> so when I showed Chris the math, uh, so we, we did the math and we said at a lump sum of $500 million, you would lose about $0.05 cents for every $2 ticket. But after you take into account taxes, you lose about $0.78 cents for every $2 ticket. And the first thing Chris said to me was, I wonder if we can put lottery tickets into a foundation of some sort. So uh, the first time we've seen lottery tickets in a uh, donation form. But uh, I think there there's also the fact you might split the winnings, mm-hmm. which you have to worry about. Yep. But there are some strategies for improving your expected value mm-hmm. in a uh, lottery. So why don't you talk about those, Chris? Because I know you've thought and written a lot about them. Yeah, you know, it's it's possible to do this. You know, it's interesting. There was a team at MIT, uh, Random Strategies Investments, that uh, had some good expectancies uh, that they they found a specific games that were rolling over a number of times. Uh, one of the keys is to look at the numbers. The numbers people pick are not random. Yeah. And so if you can get less popular numbers it lowers the chances that you split and that's what really hurts the expectancy on absolutely us. um and uh so that there's some durable numbers uh the the kind of and, and these are fairly well known at this point and you have to not only <laughs> you have to be kind of uh avoid the popular ones but then also uh, avoid the kind of overthinking ones you yeah. know so uh so uh, uh ones that end in zero eight and nine um uh are uh is uh, 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 uh very miscounted okay. um and uh, so you so, you want to so, have them or you uh, don't yes. want to have them you want uh, to have yes. them okay um and uh, so there's uh so there's um so there's there's, there's certain forms to this that uh you can increase but you can't turn a uh, bad bet into a good one yeah. you know once the, it's a negative expectancy it's a, though it would be like i'm I would guess if you were kind of close to an even expectancy, you mm-hmm. could probably take that and push it to positive expectancy by playing better on the numbers. Do you think that or? Yeah, I mean, if it's really close, yeah. but um, but it's also a little hard to uh, hard to measure. Actually, you're right. it would be tough because yeah, yeah, okay, great. Uh, yeah, and then I think so. My mom and I, we would always go when I was a kid, and we'd get like our birthdays. That mm-hmm. would be a terrible one. Chinese lucky numbers, I think, are terrible. Yeah, anything in birthday form is problematic, and uh, I, I haven't been able to kind of prove this, but I think I think that the uh, uh, there's so many more uh, lucky numbers in Asia than in North yeah. America that I've looked at this in terms of uh, Asian betting uh, environments for sports betting and yep. other things that I think that that could really uh, uh, produce some interesting results. I haven't seen it proved yet, but I think... Avoiding like horse number seven because I believe yeah. seven's a lucky number. Yep. And then the last thing we'll mention here is... Uh, so the lump sum versus annuity, if you do the math, it's uh, basically implying a 3 to 4%. Re- if you can do better than a 3 to 4% return, mm-hmm. you should take the lump sum over the annuity. I happen to know that you can do better than a 3 or 4% <laughs> return, which I'm very so, happy about. So uh, obviously, interest rates are pretty low right now. Mm-hmm. But even there, investing in the stock market, something like that, 
do you think you could you could beat three to four percent return, ignoring any alpha or hedge fund skill or anything? Uh, I'm 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 going to fully endorse you as able to do that, <laughs> and uh, I'm not gonna uh, I'm not gonna speak to my own ability one way or the other. Well, I, I am flattered by that, but I do think the long term returns show something like investing in the S and P five hundred five to six seven percent over a thirty year period is probably likely. So you should probably be thinking about that instead of yeah. taking the new the only other thing i guess if you're worried all your aunts and uncles are going to come out and try to take the money maybe it'd be better to take the annuity oh, just and, to avoid and, that. And it might be impossible but as far as there's any possibility to take the money anonymously you don't yeah. want anybody to uh to know that you have it so i think our our ending advice for listeners would be if you if you know you're about to win the powerball mm-hmm. a we'd love to talk to you uh b Take it anonymously, anonymously, and move to a low income mm-hmm. tax state before you do it, and go with a lump sum. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for listening. Uh, please be sure to subscribe or rate us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or uh, Stitcher, and we will talk to you guys next week.